All right, all right, all right. Welcome, welcome to the JB Font channel. I am your host, James Fauntleroy, and you are here watching me live. Yes, I am here live before you today. Just to let you guys know, the JB Font channel is also available on all major podcast platforms, so you can watch me there. I'm on Anchor, Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. You can catch me on the Revolutionary Blackout Network. You can find me on the JB Show on Sundays at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, as well as the Roundtable on Thursdays on at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Please make sure to give this stream a thumbs up. And if you are new to the channel, please make sure to hit that subscribe button. I promise you cookies. I may promise you brownies. I may promise you, I don't know, pie. Who knows, you know? <laughs> also, shout out to my patrons on Patreon and Coffee. I appreciate everything that you guys have done and helping keep the lights on. And I am deeply humble and grateful for all of you. And also, if you would like to also follow me on rumble i'm also on there as well uh i'd like to give a warm and gracious welcome to lady f fiorella isabel from the mcsc network and combo couch it is so good to see you thank you for having me i'm excited to talk to you about whatever you want to talk about <laughs> it's nice going on other people's shows because i don't have to think too as much mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> yeah yeah my brain my brain never shuts off so i can yeah. identify with that it just mm -hmm. ooh, yeah um <laughs> so i just want to give a shout out to everybody that's watching in the chat uh it's so good to see all of you here and yes i'm doing triple duty today uh i i had jimmy door on earlier today then i did the, the round table and now i'm here with you so Wow. Yeah, I've been streaming since four o'clock, so it's been a long day. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, it just so happens that everything just converges at the same time. So yeah. Um, Good for you. Yeah, your your mic is uh, actually uh, a little bit uh, crackling, just a little bit. I'm not sure. Oh, really? Yeah. Weird. Um, is this like is it crackling now or? As you're speaking, yeah. That's weird, because hmm. I use this mic every day. Yeah, uh, I don't know. How does it sound on my end, everybody? Is is the sound clear? Just everybody in the chat, just let me know, because I want to make sure that everything is good. Yeah, Lucky Burrito says there's there's some crackling going on. Yeah. <laughs> you sound, uh, say, say, speak again, please. Can you can you guys hear me? Yeah, the crackling stopped. It's good. Okay. It's clear. Thank right, you. Thank good. you. All right. So sure. it's working. It worked. Um, good. <laughs> so I I wanted to uh have a, a few standard questions that I typically ask you know my guests when they come on, um and this is more about your journey to where you've gotten. One of the reasons why I ask this is because I want more people. Uh, to feel empowered to come into the space to also speak because, you know, as free speech people, we're all about people being able to come in and give their opinion about what's going on so mm -hmm. that they can also push the narrative. Now, the narrative that we're pushing is one of uh, a narrative that 
uplifts the material needs of all of us, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so you're a political commentator, journalist, activist. Can you give us a brief summary in how you got into that and what inspired you to get into this independent media space? Right. So actually, I went to school for journalism and public relations. Mm-hmm. Essentially, I took uh, I had two majors, one in English and one in communications in general, spoke, mm-hmm. focused on um, PR. And when I was doing that, I saw just how easily people were manipulated into narrative management, which is what, what everything is besides printing what somebody else doesn't want you to print. Yeah. So knowing that actually really led me to this this path inconsequently because I started writing non-political things. I was writing like for magazines that had nothing to do with politics, mm-hmm. very like lifestyle type of magazines. And I was doing that while I was in the acting industry in L.A. Mm. And it was just a very vapid world where you had to focus on so many things that were not just inherently who I was as a person, especially Mm. when you saw so much poverty next to so much luxury. And I started getting involved with the activist movement in LA and Mm. people just doing things for the homeless. And uh, I got involved in an organization called She Does, which did a lot of work with unhoused women who were victims of domestic violence. And I got involved with the Bernie Sanders um, movement in 2015, 2016, okay. the first time he ran. And I started just going into the political aspects of what he said, which to me at that time was pretty much how I felt that there was just so much wealth inequality and nobody was doing anything about it and that politicians both in the democratic and republican party were entirely um just inefficient and didn't have any sort of a actual goal to do anything for the people and so i i sort of went through it that way and i met pasta craig mm-hmm. at a restaurant and he and i became friends because we were bernie sanders supporters and in, in the industries too and we just didn't a lot of people just don't talk about politics in those industries whether it's the hospitality industry or the entertainment industry or any industry that involves any sort of networking with a bunch of people that are important because politics was to, was told to you that it would just cause a rift in your relationships and so we decided that we were going to start a, a show because we both sort of got involved and thought that there was something that could possibly be done, attention being drawn to what was happening in the city around us, which was L.A., and there was so much going on at that time, mm-hmm. and so much um, fight in that, in that, an attempt to, like, really draw attention to the wealth inequality, and, and that was, like, a few years ago when things were still not as bad as they are now. And so we went about it by interviewing activists and political candidates in 20, mm-hmm. 2017 is when we started late 2017. Okay. We officially started the YouTube channel in 2018, but we went on Facebook and had a studio mm-hmm. that we would go to in 2017. And we really wanted to focus on having 
good production quality, having an engineer, having uh, being able to do it in a news show type of way, not like just a podcast type of way, but like a news show type of way. And um, yeah, that's it went on from there. Very nice. Uh, I, 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 there's a a, a a common thread that a lot of people had their start when there was like a, an awakening, particularly for a lot of us that were around in 2015-2016. Now, I admittedly was not in the political sphere around that time. Uh, I was... Uh, you know, basically raised to be religious, and I was doing more religious work uh, during that time. So I didn't start getting into the political space until about 2018, mm-hmm. when we were having the gubernatorial race uh, between DeSantis and um, oh my God, I forgot the the German. Yeah. Um, my brain is shut off. Yeah. Um, no, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. 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 Andrew Gillum. Yeah. Um. And so I started hearing about things like uh, like different policies like Medicare for All and the Forever Wars and things like that. And Andrew Gillum was basically saying that he was for that until right. the general election where he walked away from and from Medicare for All and then started going with Hillary Clinton. But that's a whole other story. <laughs> and so I dipped my toe then. And then in 2020, when I started to see more of... Bernie Sanders, it started to shift me, and that's how where I started to take notice of the things that were going on, and then as I started to get notice of things that were going on, I started moving further and further to the left, and I started seeing not just as far you know as being on the left, but also versus you know uh, authoritarianism, authoritarianism versus anti-authoritarianism. Mm-hmm. And so when I saw that, I was just like, wait a minute. Yeah, like when people said that the government is corrupt, it's like, uh, yeah. It's like, wait, I knew it was corrupt, but I didn't realize right. it was this corrupt. Like, holy crap. And so right. that's kind of how I got my start, too. So. Yeah, and honestly, I mean, I voted for Obama before, and I was, you know, always politically had political discussions with my family because uh-huh. my family are immigrants. So they always had politics on the table. Uh-huh. And um, before before I was involved in politics, it was I was always like, like not like super spiritual, but like kind of talking about, you know, so many things that people don't like people don't like know that I've talked about, like, I don't know, like just metaphysical things. I was always talking about how human beings needed to have an awakening and that something was coming and in the timeline, um, like, you know, there was that whole people thought that the world was going to end in 2012 um, Mm -hmm. because the Mayan calendar had a whole like uh, thing where they didn't do anything past 2012. So they misunderstood that. But during that time, of course, it was post the 2008 crash there was you know a lot of suffering but then there was an awakening and i think people started figuring things out through the lens of everything that was happening worldwide and i think that is what launched into the the political awakening that you just mentioned and also of course the emergence of police brutality during that time not the emergence but the attention put on it um by 
the media finally and um, the the increase in, in phones and being able to capture everything that was going on, all of that came together. And so that's why I think you saw a movement that started paying attention to really the cracks that had been in the United States for a long time, but started really deepening during that time. And now we're, I think, at the pivotal moment where the house is about to fall. And I don't say that lightly, and I don't say that to scare people or to be sensationalist. I say it because looking at the geopolitical world right now that we're in and looking at the foreign policy that we're engaged in, the relations, we just, you know, Senate just approved $40 billion for Ukraine, $215 million for food. And the American people are really just going to suffer a lot because Mm -hmm. of this, because of what their government is doing. And the American people, of course, are not all bad people. In fact, the vast majority of people just want basic things. And the the government, though, um, is something a lot of people don't pay attention to. Foreign policy is what people don't pay attention to, and they should start. Excuse me, but your your mic is crackling a lot again. Um, Oh, I can't hear you. You're muted. I said, I'm sorry, your, your mic is crackling a lot again. Um, oh, okay. You know what? I'll just use the other mic. I don't know why it's yeah, not Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, I'll just use the... Um... Okay, can you hear me regardless? Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's, it's a lot better. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, no, you, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, um, there... There is the disdain within this country. I mean, we saw it during the Occupy movement, you know, um, you know, back then. And so, you know, it's gotten to the point where there's a fatigue among everyone in this nation. And that fatigue that we're feeling is because there has been this this catering towards the the ultra wealthy as well as the politicians and it's kind of like uh it's kind of like being a child and you go to lunch and as you're going to lunch and you're going down the lunch line you're constantly fed you know the mystery meat the slop the stuff that doesn't look very good but then you always see that that those small group of particular kids, they're getting the pizzas, they're getting the honey buns, they're getting the 7-Up, the cherry 7-Up, they're getting all this good stuff every single day. And you're like, but we want it too. And then people keep telling, oh, just wait, we'll, we'll finally get it to you, you'll get it to you soon, we'll get it to you, just, just, just wait a little bit longer, just vote about it. And then... We, we do the same thing over and over again. Please give us the better food. And then they even start giving you even less portions. Yeah. And you're like, but they're, they're getting huge mounds of food, great food. And we're just getting this slop and we're getting even less of that. Oh, but just, just hang on a little bit longer. Just vote more. And as we keep doing this, we're realizing they're never going to give us what we actually need. Right. They're never going to do it. 
And so this is one of the reasons why there's so many of us that are disaffected from both parties. There are so many reasons why there's so many of us who are now looking at it and saying we're going to a different direction. Actually, Jimmy Dore and I were talking about this earlier, about this speech of political nihilism. And it's like, well, really, what is nihilistic? Is it continuing to keep going in the same direction over and over? Or is it changing your direction and trying to see if there's a better way? Your thoughts? Yeah, I don't think it's nihilistic. I think it's realistic. Um, essentially, I mean, to look at the world as it is, I think it's unrealistic to pretend it's not happening, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, I think that people who are understanding that electoral politics is not going to get us out of this, you can't vote your way out of this situation. Mm-hmm. They don't fear you. They no. don't fear us. They no. know that there's a segment of, of the population that's going to pick Team A or Team B, yeah. no matter what. Mm-hmm. And this is why they continue to use wedge issues to um, divide us like they could have already, for example, Democrats could have a long time ago codified Roe v. Wade and it wouldn't have been a problem, but they refuse to do that because they know they can go back to it at any given time and point yes. out to the Republicans and, and fear-monger people into saying, well, this is going to become the handmaid's tale mm-hmm. if you don't vote for us. So even though we haven't given you crap, you got to vote for us. And so we have to look at things from a different dimension because for too long we've been looking at it in this two-dimensional way left versus right, Republican versus Democrat, Team A versus Team B, blue versus red. And so that that is not going, it's not helping us. It's not really doing anything for us because we don't live in a fair system. We don't live in a system where we have fair elections. I've gone all over the, the Latin America, um, the global south, and looked yeah. at elections. Their elections are far more efficient. Somehow they're able to get every single person in their country, the vast majority of people, to have an ID and to get an ID. But it's like a whole process and a whole problem in America to give someone an ID. And like, uh, this is why we have this conflict. Well, we don't want, you know, uh, we don't want people to have to bring an ID here. But at the same time, it's like our election system is so, it's just there's no security. And there's also so much, so many vulnerabilities. We have the, the worst people in power of our elections. We have the most corrupt people in power of our elections because we don't have power over anything. Congress can just literally pass uh, legislation to go after, uh, to go directly to Ukraine now because they they don't have to consult with us. They don't even have to consult with each other. That was part of uh, Rand Paul's uh, objection to that. And that, the thing is, for me, it's like, I'm looking at the the political sphere right now in the United States, and it doesn't make sense that only 11 Republicans voted no on this package. 11 Republicans. I mean, where where is this the squad? Where are the progressives are more anti-war than Republicans in, in in Congress and and in the Senate? Where's Bernie Sanders? Where's Elizabeth Warren? Supposedly the most leftist progressive senators. And so we're at this point where it doesn't really matter to me. Mm-hmm label as long as the the actions are there and you know i think a lot of people are still in that mentality which is why they attack us because they're in that mentality of no if somebody has a d by their name they're just they they're better no matter what and it's just not the way the world works the world is very gray the world has a lot of nuance Mm -hmm. and you just can't you just can't be like that especially in the moment we're in where we, we need to go outside of electoral politics. We need to have an actual anti-establishment, uh, anti 
fascist movement because mm-hmm. right now for all the talk of white supremacy that Joe Biden and the Democrats are doing now, they have done absolutely nothing to to take care of, of people economically, and they've done everything to help fund neo-Nazis in Ukraine. And not just neo-Nazis, but other radical groups like the White Helmets in Syria and others in, in the West Asia that they've created and funded mm-hmm. for their to use them for mm-hmm. their own means. So what to me is is the most racist thing you can do is go around the world toppling governments and cooing people and bombing black and brown people all over the world. And that to me is something that a lot of progressives and people on the left don't pay attention to when they talk about white uh-huh. supremacy. Uh-huh. The reason we have such uh, a police system and such an, uh, a prison system in the United States is because we emulate it exactly from the military industrial complex, uh-huh. the same ones that train our police. That's how it is, and that's all part of it. Yeah. And, you know, while we're talking about what, you know, is going on, I mean, let's look at what, you know, the you know is happening under a Democratic administration. We want to talk about, uh, you know, our, our, you know, people talk about Democrats, they're for our rights. No, they're not. This is an article actually out of the Jacobin. It talks about ICE is tracking your every move. This is by uh, Branko um, Mercedic. Um, and this is actually pretty, pretty startling, not startling. It's scary. I, I should say that <clears throat> it begins with immig- immigration and customs enforcement has been known for m- both mass deportations and unmarked van snatchings of peaceful protesters. ICE also turned out to be operating a vast intelligence system that tracks excuse me, the movement of hundreds of millions of Americans. And it talks about how uh, this is uh, a conclusion of report from the Georgetown Law Center on privacy and technology, which argues through contracts and partnerships with private data brokers, utility companies, and DMVs, and other governmental bureaucracies, ICE has quietly built a system that lets it peer into and track the personal lives of all Americans on a never-before-seen scale. And it talks about how, uh, you see, here, actually, let me enlarge this just a little bit more so that people can read it. Um... Hang on. It says, uh, according to the report, ICE has used facial recognition technology to scan the driver's license photos of roughly a third of U.S. adults and can access the driver's license data of three quarters of adults and can track movements of cars in cities that make up 70% of the adult population. And at least five of the 17 jurisdictions where undocumented people can apply for licenses ICE can search the state driver's record without a warrant. So this is happening under a Democratic president. If you think that this would happen under a Republican president only, you're sadly mistaken. I have a big, beautiful, diamond-encrusted bridge to sell you over top of Volcano. If you think that it's not going to happen under them. And this is one of the reasons why we've been talking about both parties. Yes, both parties are complicit in taking your rights away and not, you know, uh, you know, pushing for your material needs. They push for the material needs of the military industrial complex. They push for the material needs of the prison industrial complex or big pharma or big agriculture or hell, they push for the material needs of of the uh, 
of the nonprofit industrial complex. <laughs> they, they push for all these different things. And so we have to be vigilant. And, you know, sometimes it means us getting out in the streets. Like, for instance, I know you've been to, you know, your share of anti-war rallies and things like that. So, I mean, we have to, you know, use our, our power as a people to go up against this. Your thoughts on the article, by the way? Oh, yeah. So the article, it, I mean, it's nothing new. Unfortunately, this has been happening for a while. Um, so the Obama administration essentially built the stages and the cages for the current, um, the, the, the last administration, the Trump administration, to push that whole thing through. Mm-hmm. And now comes in the Biden administration using a lot of the same people from the Obama administration to continue that immigration policy. And they're doing it by playing it out like it's like it's not it's not we're not sending as many people out there to catch immigrants we're just going to use surveillance and technology mm-hmm. but a lot of the time that technology is far more dangerous when you're talking about cryptic yeah. fascism uh you have to fo- focus on the technology aspect of it the surveillance state is growing and our rights are diminishing our civil rights our civil liberties they're diminishing through the expansion of the surveillance state and pretty soon it's not going to be just you know that they can scan your license they they can scan everything they can find your they're scanning people's license plates they're scanning people's faces mm-hmm. they're scanning everything and eventually we're going to live in a society that the united states you know constantly talks about china being authoritarian russia being authoritarian the only difference here is that you live in in an illusion that allows you to think that we're never going to get there that we're not there in other aspects but mm-hmm. now with all the censorship and everything that a lot of independent media has been experiencing from every single conflict, from the elections to the pandemic to now, of course, we have this Russia-Ukraine situation where nobody can have a different opinion on what's going on or they're completely and totally Russian assets, That that's going to increase the surveillance state. And we saw what happened um, when they tried to do the Ministry of Truth, um, but it was called the Disinformation Governance Board, and the Department of Homeland Security tried to do that. But the problem is they put somebody at the helm, uh, Jankowitz, Nina Jankowitz, who is the most un- unlikable. Dis- like, nobody <laughs> yeah. likes her. She's creepy. I think Pasta calls her Scary Poppins because she gets <laughs> Mary Poppins' video. And so when you put somebody like that, it's very off-putting. And she was biased. And everybody could see it. So they're like, okay, we're going to pause this for a second. But don't think they're going to stop. This is only the yeah. beginning. And I think it's, it's great that you pay attention to that. And you know, like, like I say this all the time, the American government constantly calls brutal dictators to Russia, uh, you know, calls Putin a brutal dictator, calls, um, he says Cuba is under dictatorship, Venezuela, Nicaragua. But really, do we have different presidents? I mean, we do in face, but does the policy actually change depending on who is president? No. Not really. We're still under the same type of foreign policy. They still haven't done anything for working people. And we're back at square one. So really, one I what I dare say, one of the longest dictatorships to me, and especially in the last hundred years or so, has been the, uh, the U.S. government. Because no matter who's president, there is only one, uh, one way of doing things. And those yeah. who don't abide by it, 
mm-hmm. get shot or killed or completely put outside of the political spectrum. Well, I mean, I, would you say it's appropriate to say that the, the presidents of the United States, they are just employees of the central banks? I would say the central banks and the their covert, the covert agencies that we have, like the NSA, the CIA, and mm-hmm. uh, the military apparatus. You know, it's like this intelligence mm-hmm. uh, apparatus complex. And you mentioned the banks, and now you have to add in, of course, the uh, Silicon Valley, the, the surveillance state, the technological companies yeah. that are basically controlling what goes on. I mean, it's when government merges with, with uh, corporations, this is, this is essentially fascism. I mean, as defined by the fascists themselves, Mussolini. So, I mean, this is where we're at right now, right? Absolutely. Uh, and the thing is, is that I, 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 a lot of people, they sit and hand ring about Trump being a fascist, right? They're like, oh my God, Trump is a fascist. And it's like, you know what? I agree. But why are you voting for the same guy that is basically doing all the same things that Trump did? Yeah, I mean, I mean, if you're going to call Trump a fascist, um, Joe Biden then must be one, too. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, the guy is the architect of the system that Trump exploited, right? Because yeah. Biden's been in politics for a long time. Yeah. He wrote the 1994 crime bill. He wrote the Patriot Act. He worked with segregationists. He has he and like, I mean, of course, he has various accusations of sexual assault and sexual harassment. And, and, you know, the whole thing was, oh, Trump is is sexist, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, well, why is Biden okay? And Biden comes from that legacy, from that old school legacy. And so that's one of the reasons why so many people did vote for Donald Trump, because they saw him as an outsider. And he really isn't. I mean, he's still a billionaire. And Mm -hmm. he was he's been in, you know, he he wasn't a politician, but he's been in these circles. People Mm -hmm. need to stop looking to billionaires uh, to save them. And I think that's a problem right now that we're seeing with Elon Musk and how people are are putting all their hopes and dreams on this, you know, Elon Musk figure. And that's that's part of the propaganda. Right. We're 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 like conditioned to think that Batman's going to come save the day. (laughs) That's Superman. Superman. And that's that it is part of it. And And it's like, guys, like. The only people that are going to save us are us. We're, we're, yeah. We have to save us. Yeah. No billionaire is going to come in and save us. There's no benevolent billionaire. Because to become a billionaire, you have to exploit so many people. And none of these people came from uh, yes. working their way up to become billionaires. They all come from rich families. You can look yes. them all up from Bill Gates to Elon Musk to Jeff Bezos. All of them. They were born into wealth. This That's how it works. Yeah. I mean, look... <laughs> I, I, I'm going to quote, you know, Dr. Seuss, one fash, two fash, red fash, blue fash. <laughs> that's the way it goes. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's what we've been looking at. And you literally have to become, you literally have to exploit people to get that much wealth. What makes anybody think that they are actually benevolent or good at all? Like... Get your head hope. out of the sand. <laughs> yeah. It's just hope. It's They want to believe in something. I mean, if you look at Hollywood, and that's another reason why it's just something that I can't... Like, Hollywood as it is, it's just propaganda. You look at every movie differently once you know what's going on, and it's like, damn, like, you can't even... It's hard to allow yourself to be entertained, and I'm not saying you shouldn't. I'm saying, you know, sometimes 
okay, like entertain yourself, but at the same time know that in many instances, if not everywhere, this is the most propagandized country in the world. Mm-hmm. Where we, the reason we are so unaware about the rest of the world, while the rest of the world knows our politics way more than we know the politics of Russia, Ukraine, the yeah. EU, the yeah. UK, like Latin America, um, it's because we are made to not really care. And I think that that self-centered uh, nature is not like you know some people don't can't afford it some people are working so much all the time they Mm -hmm. don't they don't have time to really watch the news or pay attention to what's going on it is made to be that way it's made to keep you in this system where you're constantly working where you're smart enough to do the work but dumb enough to not realize who's behind the scenes and that's a george carlin talked about in a lot of his comedy back in the day right they don't want you to be too smart to know that you're you're being used and so that is essentially the United States, and I think that um, for the longest time we were able to like go kind of like bypass it because we have been not feeling the repercussions of the government's actions as much as other countries were, as other countries have been with mm-hmm. the sanctions and the political turmoil that comes from regime change. But now, with what we're seeing with this conflict, where we have a forty one year record high inflation you see the price of gas the price of gas in florida right now is what gas was in la like less than a year ago like it's insane and the the price of food the food shortages just everything coming together it's not going to be a normal cyclical cycle i think a lot of economists are saying um that you know oh this happens all the time yeah like it's a 10-year cycle thing but we have other factors that are contributing yeah. to this too. And I think um, if you know what's going on in Europe is that the a lot of people already cannot pay gas uh, prices, yeah, their energy bills, and they're already using fireworks to make fire inside their homes. And that's, I mean, this is where it's gonna exacerbate, that situation is gonna exacerbate, uh, become worse as we go into winter where it's actually freezing and people depend on the gas that they're no longer getting from Russia. And of course, Russia is also an exporter of so many other things like wheat. And we are an import country. We import everything from the outside. We are not prepared to be self-sufficient. So a lot lot of that isn't on the minds of people, but once it starts, it, it will be. And maybe, I don't know, I don't wish poverty upon anybody, but at the same time, I think so many people are too comfortable in, in, in the fact that they can continue to ignore the house that's on fire. You know, it's like the meme with the little dogs like everything's fine and everything's burning around. That's where we're at, guys. We're, yeah. we're, we're that meme. Yeah. And then some of us are screaming that the house is burning and you have yeah. some people who are supposed to put out the fire and they're taking a little squirt gun and they're going pew trying to put out the fire and we're like what are you doing Mm -hmm. grab the fire hose and dump the motherfucker (laughs) i'm like what are you kidding me and a lot of us that are screaming at the top of our lungs are those of us that are the disenfranchised the most you know Mm -hmm. you as a woman uh and you as a, a, a latina me as a disabled gay black man we're screaming at the top of our lungs and we're like yo we're suffering out here and yet they're like 
all you all you got to do is just vote for every two to four years and then you guys will finally get what you want you'll get it don't worry and we're like they're, they're nuts they're out of their goddamn mind we're we're, we're screwed yeah, no. and that's the thing. Um, for the longest time, I tried to believe that the revolution yeah. would happen here in the United States. And I've come to conclude that it's just not going to happen here anytime wow. soon. Um, wow. Because people are not there. When you go to protests, for example, we were just at a protest um, talking about Julian Assange and, um, and the damn wars. Mm-hmm. There's a few people that show up, right? But it's not enough. And then you have the, the like... The things the American people protest for are largely symbolic, right? Let's say you have the Women's March. I'm not saying yet, you know, that none of those issues are important. But you have to tie these things to economics or you're not helping anybody. The thing that helps the most, um, that helps women and marginalized communities the most, is literally economics. Like helping people, like raise their their standard of living yeah. raise the, the their education right now the education system is just a big for-profit system that has a lot of us um, millennials and gen z completely dependent on it through student loans and you know and then you have what the, the things are being taught there is a lot of propaganda frankly and it's yeah. really sad that the state of our education is so bad because when you go to other countries and you see the things they learn yeah. and the way they learn things, it's completely different. Yeah. And I've had the opportunity to do that. And I, I was just mesmerized and, and flabbergasted too as to how different the education is in other countries. And even in Europe alone, like the education there is is completely different. And this is why, you know, it sucks, but like we're not being given first world type of um uh, you know, basic things like like that at all. And of course, you have yeah. this country where people can't even protest because they'll lose their health care. Yeah, yeah. People can't protest in Florida because Ron DeSantis <laughs> decided to make it illegal. Yeah, you know. DeSantis you know. is one of the most like, oh my god, like he is one of the most like team sports playing Republicans. Like he'll he'll talk about censorship when it's his team and he'll say oh i'm being censored and then he'll turn around and try to make it a crime to protest try to arrest protesters because he knows that the majority of the people that are protesting or that were protesting at that time were supporting an ideology like or blm or were on the left things that he doesn't support and it's people like that to to me that are some of the worst whether they're republicans or democrats they only allow for their ideology to be the guiding factor and if they don't support like the ideology of the other person then the rules don't apply you can't have that you can't either you 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 say we support free speech period for everybody even if i don't agree with you or you don't and i think that um people like desantis contribute to the entire um uh, sort of culture war team team sports mentality I mean, he just put out this bill that's like an anti-communist bill that talk like kids must be taught in Florida to learn how the destruction of communism plagued so many nations in the world. I'm like, okay, can we learn about the destruction of capitalism? Can we learn about that too? Can I mean, we're living it, right? I mean, it's yep. just so ridiculous, and it's all it's all for brownie points from you know this sector, and that's that's all politicians are. I mean, that's all they're there for. They're there to pretty much narrative manage. They're there to pretty much be 
influencers. We've seen what the squad has turned into, right? Yeah. Um, basically, Instagram influencers and just like tweeting, oh, we all need health Medicare for all. Okay, tweet about it some more. It's good. We, we, I don't, I'm not in Congress, dude. I'm not in Congress. She is in Congress. Uh, AOC's in Congress. All the entire squad's in Congress. They keep voting for expand, expanding NATO, for more war, for more sanctions on the foreign policy side, on the domestic policy side. They talk about Medicare for all, but they don't do anything about it. And so what is it? What, what you know, we're, we're not there. We're not there anymore. We're, we're past it. This yeah. is why my coverage has shifted into more um, foreign policy and anti-imperialism and the surveillance state because I don't, like, that's not where we're at. And I think also uh, locally, if people are trying to do things locally via city council, via um, their local community, I think that also is a way to sort of prepare for the downfall because there is, it is happening right now and it, it's coming yeah. to get worse. Yeah. Um, what would you give uh, until, well, I mean, the United States has been in a collapse for decades, but the final, like, death knell of the empire like what time frame do you give it in your you know expert opinion i mean it's not gonna it's not gonna happen overnight i mean i think we're gonna enter into a recession by 2023 Mm -hmm. um but uh just looking at the economics of everything that's happening Mm -hmm. um but i think it takes like decades you know rome did it like it fell but it didn't just fall overnight i mean there's gonna be denial we're gonna go through the stages of grief uh, as it starts happening we already are um you know there's an era there's an um an an air of just decay and like mm-hmm. nihilism mm-hmm. from so many people but for me it's like there has to be acceptance and I think there's a lot of denial right now, like, eh, it's going to be okay, we're just going to, you know, everything's going to bounce back, and the United States is going to be fine. Um, the dollar is already diminishing in value, for example. The We're just printing money, money that, that doesn't have any value. Yeah. And so that's causing inflation. And so now um, we have uh, a lot of people, more and more people are moving out of the country and you have two generations in debt. You have the millennial generation in debt from student loan debt, and then you have Gen Z that is increasingly in debt um, because of that. And then you have a lot of mental illness. You have a lot of fractured, divided populations at each other's throats. Yeah. Uh, you have a, a war machine that usually war can sometimes, you know, in, during World War II, it did help the economy. Um, because they brought the the production to the in, to home, right? They they were producing guns and they were producing arms and, and giving people jobs and through the war, that's not happening anymore. So it's the opposite. The wealth is going outside. So it's going to take like I think a few decades for it to really really look like it's falling. But the good news is we're shifting into. A uni, uh, from a unipolar world to a multipolar world. Mm-hmm. And that comes with a lot of different things. There's a lot of people vying for control of the world right now. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's becoming less about nation states than rather more about these billionaires. Um, and that's not like 
some conspiratorial thing. It's like people with a lot of money have a lot of things in common. And these things, they sit around, they go to the same parties, they attend the same type of events, same mm-hmm. network, they live in the same community. So, mm-hmm. yes, they all have a common objective goal. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, com- the the common goal is that they, we, they can't afford to have all these people around here, right, to have all of us here. So there's going to be a lot of shortages, a lot of, like, food um, crises. There's definitely going to be uh, ec- economic downfall in terms of, like, the standard of living in the United States, which has already been falling. If you go to other countries, you can live, like, the, the, the lifespan is higher than ours. Um, you have the increasing food allergies, the increasing um, just just diseases that we're all, a lot of us are getting just from the, the things, the environment, the chemicals, the food. There's a lot of things in the United States that are legal, chemical-wise, that are illegal in other countries and other unions like the European Union and the UK. You'd be surprised like how there are products there that they don't allow. So mm-hmm. I think it's going to take a few decades, but it's definitely right now uh, in decline. And uh, Like I said, the good news is there's going to be more cooperation from other countries. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I think that the revolution, like the the actual revolution to push back, is ha- going to happen in the global south and um, the east as well. And that's where there's a lot of attention being paid to now is mm-hmm. the east because the west is just, and not just us, but Europe too, um, in decline. Yeah, basically the, the western nations, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I was just looking at the five stages of grief. You know, if you look at it from a a economic and global scale, uh, you know, we're in the denial stage. But next is anger. Uh, after anger, you know, then it's bargaining, then depression, then acceptance. Um, and it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a it's gonna be a wild ride. Um, and some you know people like me myself, I don't know if I'm gonna live to see it all. Because of being chronically ill, um, and also being in this space and using my voice to say these things in this country, the powers that be do not look kindly upon those of us who speak truth to power. Just right. ask people like Fred Hampton and Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, so, you know. This is one of the reasons why it's so important to get the word out as much as we possibly can, as early as we can, so that we can do this. Um, with that being said, uh, one of my next questions uh, for you, um, we kind of answered a lot of the questions that I was going to ask, but one of the questions that I wanted to ask is, what is some advice that you would give people, especially to women who want to venture into this space? Oh boy, um, buckle up! It's not, it's not, it's not any sort of, um, it's not easy. You have to have a lot of mental awareness, mm-hmm. mental clarity, and peace. Don't take um, what people say about you as something to detract you from doing. Just make it something that will push you harder to do it. Yeah. Uh, do it if you are ready to face everything in the book, especially you, you specified women. 
there are more men in this industry than there are women. Um, and women, of course, were subjected to completely different standards. And I never get to talk about this. Cause nobody ever asked me about this. But, you know, we're, we're <laughs> if we wear makeup, uh, it, it's discussed. If we don't wear makeup, it's discussed. If you wear a different color lipstick, it's discussed. If you, whatever you wear, it's discussed. Uh, well, however you say things, whatever you sound like, you may say the same thing as some other uh, journalists or commentators said, but they believe them and not you. I mean, these are things that I think when women listen to this, they know. Um, and just know you're going to be into a f- in a field where it's a male-dominated field, and you are going to be assessed a lot um, more, like more harshly than your male counterparts, and that's just the reality of the world we live in. Um, and I think, you know, you just have to be tough and you just cannot let a lot of the, the hate that will, you know, if you do, if you're doing anything right, you're going to get hate at some point by somebody and, um, don't let, don't let that affect you as much because if you know you're doing the right work, you should just continue doing the right work and, Mm. and just don't, don't let that stop you and, uh, find your, allies in in this in this field because it's important to have people that are allies it's important to have people to get to know who people are on a human level not just a professional or career level and be able to to really make those connections especially perhaps with um you know obviously with members of the same uh with the same sex like women too but also men who like are you know who can be friends and who are reliable and make uh your own sort of network of people that you can rely on and that have your back and yeah i just it's important to also get away from this every now and then if you're looking at the news every single day like i am all the time and it's Mm -hmm. the brain doesn't shut off uh you're gonna drive yourself insane you do have to allow yourself to have some time off because Mm -hmm. it's hard for some of us um for me like i'm constantly aware of everything i have to be aware of everything that's going on Mm -hmm. and like there are times when it's been weird but like i forgot my phone or something happened where i didn't have my phone and those were the times where i was able to just breathe Mm -hmm. and it's important to have a time off as anxious as it makes me sometimes to be away from knowing what the hell is going on in the world you need to allow yourself to do that and not feel bad about it yeah yeah, all those great points from you. Uh, I This is one of the reasons why I try to be more heavy-handed in having um, uh, women in this space on my channel. Um, if we're going to be allies, then be allies, right? We can't just say that we're for, you know, uh, the equity and equality if we don't, you know, provide that as example. Um, this is kind of funny, but Optimism of the Will said, never seen JB's cleavage discussed. <laughs> Let me tell you, JB got a cleavage. <laughs> yeah, it you best believe it. <laughs> but I never heard about it. <laughs> so It's there though, honey. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, it, it's just, there's this, it, 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 there's this double standard that should not exist but it does and the fact is is that 
um, like, your perspective is different than mine, but it's no less valuable. And so I think I, I want to have more women, you know, like you. I've had you, the Bank Sisters, Savvy Sabs. I had Josana. Um, you know, I've had Misty, uh, Glory Jones. I've had you all on particularly because we need more of you. Because if you're 50% of the population, you should be 50% of this space. Am I right? I mean, does that sound crazy to me? I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, it's just, it is what it, I mean, I, I, if I were to like constantly be upset about it, I would just, I would be upset yeah. all the time. You know, yeah. I do, it does get frustrating a lot, but like yeah. you kind of, unfortunately we kind of learn to live with it. And like, but yeah. I think it's, yeah. it's a discussion I, that I think on the left, um, a lot of people just sort of like, especially yeah. men, they're like, uh, like, are we talking? They, it's like, well, the shit lives. Yeah. The shit lives in the neoliberals co-op the whole you know, woman thing, they co-opted the feminism, they co-opted everything. That doesn't mean that there aren't problems. And yeah. that's what people need to know. Like, it doesn't mean that there aren't problems. And just because I'm not talking about it 24-7, mm-hmm. um, or you you don't hear me complain about it 24-7, doesn't mean it's not true. It just means it's like, uh, you know, I work through it. And I think, you know, the left needs to do a better job of, like, admitting, okay, well, you know, maybe we should have more women we should pay attention to what women are saying you know we should and not just the left but everybody um because it, it's become this sort of like oh the left the left is no it's it's everybody i mean right like we, we there's different perspectives depending on what the hell life you've led where you've come from true so it should it's just another added factor that adds a difference into your perspective mm-hmm. and that's it and 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 it shouldn't be something looked on as well here we go they're gonna talk about this bullshit it's that's not how it should be it's it's not it shouldn't be looked down upon to discuss it or as a negative um because it's a really real thing and the same thing happens of course when you see um you know you guys at a uh, revolutionary blackout are very uh, a, f- a few people i mean nico was like the only black content creator a few years ago essentially with um um what what's his name i don't watch him anymore but uh tim black um and that was it and so i mean i'm glad that there are more voices from these populations that are going to add a whole different like a different uh perspective because Mm -hmm. we need that right i i'm like it gets tiring seeing the same generic type of person uh Going, I mean, I'm just going to be very kind now, but it gets tiring seeing the same generic type of person, like, constantly saying the same thing, and, like, you know, it's like, oh, my God, they said this? Oh, my God, it's amazing. Like, it gets tiring. And so I think a lot of people who aren't in the – who don't have this perspective and who didn't grow up with that perspective – get really like turned off or like defensive like oh are this it's like no it's not about you it's just 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 be mindful that this is another perspective that you're maybe missing in your discussions and so i think you know it's important um that's just why i go to the global south this is why i want to go uh to to other countries this is why i'm moving across the pond like across the world because i want to get to know other perspectives because as much as I can uh, sit in, in a studio and talk about it, if we're not on the ground covering something, 
I'm really, I'm, I'm really limited in my scope and that's how it's always been. And I think that expansion, if you can do it, I, I always tell people travel, especially if you're young and you're still in school travel, because that really, really made an impact on my life as to what, what it was that I wanted. And that's like, I like people. I like getting to know people. I like people on a general scale, but I also, you know, because of that, I'm like super, I, I'm very selective about the people I let into my life. And so that's, and that, that because of that, right. But I, I like to listen to people's different perspectives and where they're coming from. And I think that's why, uh, it allows me to do this work because you can find connections between humans. And at, at the end of the day, honestly, as cliche as it may sound, we do all have a lot more in common with each other, yeah. no matter what part of the world that we're in yeah. than a lot of these billionaires and these uh, politicians that run the world. Yeah. Uh, you know, I have a confession to make. That confession is, I have never been outside of this country. Never. And I would like to, but I can't afford it. And why right. can't I afford it? Because the way, the way the system is basically rigged just for a certain subset of people. Yeah. And one of the one of the primary focuses of my channel is to bring in a perspective that many people haven't heard before. Like, for instance, I'm currently still within a hair's breadth of the poverty line, right? Mm -hmm. How many people who are in this space are struggling financially like I am? Not many. That's one of my main criticisms, Jay. Like, a lot of the people that, you know, tout themselves as being these, you know, huge, uh, you know, journalists or huge commentators or, or YouTubers, whatever, they, the, the most prolific ones, don't come from that space. Yeah. And they get the most accolades, and you're just hearing the same perspectives, just different faces. So, to me, I I don't like that because it's like wait a minute why why are we hearing from the working class the people that literally live live through poverty have a completely different perspective than somebody who who doesn't and that's just yeah. a fact and it's not because I'm trying to say oh like oh you want to focus on on only on the, the identity and this no I it's literally a fact that if you live in a different economic space your perspective is going to be radically different than somebody. Who, who didn't, who never did, no matter what, what, what you're, you're, I mean, obviously race matters to a degree, but like, uh, there are a lot of people with money, like Barack Obama, who live in a different space than you do. And that's, uh, that's a completely like valid point. And it, it doesn't matter. I mean, you have some things in common, but really let's talk, you have more in common with a poor working class white person that has never uh, ha been able to leave the country and that is also suffering from a disease and you do with Barack Obama because of money mm -hmm. situation, because of the economics of it. And I think, you know, a lot of the times we don't pay enough attention to that, to the economic aspect too of like where these creators are coming from and also what, what lives that they lead? Where did there are they immigrants or their families like this? And that's not why I watch people either, mm -hmm. but I, it's, it's great having that perspective. It's great having yeah. those those perspectives and putting your money where the, your mouth is. Because if I'm, all I'm going to watch is a bunch of, of a very wealthy, uh, you know, Ivy League educated uh, people who just just sit there and think they're so intellectually superior to, to everybody because 
they read, uh, you know, every every book by Marx and they know theory and they don't apply this theory because they're not living in this reality. What the hell am I doing? Like, what? What? Oh, great. I get to feel so much more superior and intellectually just uh, I get to like feel so good about myself. But really, you're not living in this reality and you're not opening yourself up to the people who are really who have a lot to say about the current state of the world. Yeah. Because they can't escape it. They can't escape the reality. Yeah. I also have another perspective, you know, that number one, I never went to an Ivy League college. In fact, I never went to college. I'm not college educated. And so how many of us in this country are not college educated that, you know, exist and work within this country and are going through the, the these motions of of paycheck to paycheck you know, living in poverty, there there may be, be one of those times where we may get an influx because of a of a you know economic stimulus or something like that. But then it's like it's like a vicious cycle. And you know, one of the things I wanted to point out is because of the way many of us, especially those of us who are near poverty, and, and I can say this because like. Literally, like, 95% of my disability check goes towards my rent. So, if anybody wants to say, oh, JB got money. No, miss me with that bullshit. And so, I have a sense of urgency that it feels like I'm in a burning house all the time. Right. And so, I don't feel that this is nihilistic by trying to go into a different direction with an intent of plan in order to use the power of our voices and our feet uh, proverbially in the streets. And, and I'm not saying this as, as an ableist, you know, you know, because some people aren't able to actually get out in the streets, but they're able to do something uh, in order to help affect change in the way that they can do it, you know, each according to their, you know, their ability. Mm-hmm. But like how many people have my perspective? You know, I mean, yeah, there's some of us that also may be queer in this space. That's fine. But how many people are in an economic position? Uh, And so that's one of the, you know, also facets, you know, because I actually made a tweet about it. I said there is there is a a economic, you know, gulf, you know, within the left media space, you know, between, uh, you know, some of us. It's just true. Oh, yeah. And and you know what? When. um I was doing uh, work abroad in Nicaragua. Uh-huh. I found some of my journalist friends that were the best at their work and were extremely open and extremely anti-imperialist. Um, uh-huh. and, and you know, and they were talking about how there is no real left in, in the United States. I mean, it's just they're, they're like that's not left. That's what. And we were we got to talking, and I realized a lot of them, a lot of them um, have worked in either hospitality or retail or like, you know, wage earning jobs and, and like, they know what it's like and what, what it's like to, to deal, to, to, to deal with people. Yeah. But to also be, you know, so dependent on the generosity of people, because in America, you know, let's say you you work as a server or bartender, I've done both Mm -hmm. and you, you're, you're like dependent on on how much you get tipped and stuff. And like, just having and you have to budget out how much money you make and it's just it's this thing where it's you see mothers that you know like i'm i'm a single woman i don't have a child but i remember just seeing mothers 
who had to provide for their children working at a restaurant. And I'm just like, I don't know how the hell they do it. I really don't. And, and that just that perspective alone. And then going into the kitchens and seeing the, the, the immigrants working the, the food stations and how, my God, they all had like two or three jobs and they were sending money back to their families. And it's like, you know, that has so much like of a, an effect on the the formation I have and the perspective I have, because that, that itself really puts it into perspective because yeah, you may be struggling a bit. And of course living in LA and being an artist and doing a million things, I had like four jobs and you know, you are struggling, but at the same time, it's like somebody else is struggling more and somebody else has somebody that's dependent on them. And you know, that's one of the reasons why I went that route, why I went this route because of that. It's because it's always to me in the back of mind, like, the working class and the working class never it only gets discussed when they can weaponize the working class issues not when yeah. uh it's an actual working class person that never really gets their voice platform because yeah. they you know they don't have the means to uh it's you're always hearing it from second hand and that's why it's so important to pay attention to that yeah and just to add another point you always talk you always hear politicians talk about the middle class or the working class but they never talk about, about the poor ever mm-hmm. ever why is that? Why don't they ever want to do anything for actually the poor? Because they think that being poor is a moral failing versus a systemic right. failing. So, just saying. Yeah. Um, due, due to the sake of time, I only have a couple more questions because I want to make sure that you're not on here too long. Um, but uh, this is actually um, something that I wanted to ask Hy- hypothetically. Um, you are now president of the United States. <laughs> I know, right? Laughable. <laughs> You're like, damn. Why this question? Uh, it's your inauguration day. What are the first three actions as president that you would take within your first 100 days? Huh. <laughs> wow. Um, okay. Well, one of them would basically be to dissolve the military industrial complex to basically very minimal um you'd have an army but you wouldn't have the level of uh just that we have and close all our military bases yeah um remove them uh dissolve abolish the cia 100 percent abolish the cia uh covert agencies in general Uh uh-huh and this is a dream because they and no president would ever be allowed to do that. Um, and then, of course, what I would do is change the entire structure. I would have more of because I believe um, for me, politically, the goal is a stateless society. But I don't believe that we can do that immediately mm-hmm. because humanity isn't ready for that. And I think especially in the United States, uh, ideally, I would just dissolve the whole thing. But then it, I, the, what, where does that leave us? Right. Like. Because a lot of the the people are going to be like, well, you should dissolve everything and the government. Just let it all. But people have, unfortunately, become dependent so much on the system, um, a system that has failed them. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I would do is I would dissolve the presidency, um, still maintain, uh, like bring people on to me, make it more of like a council where people can come together and make decisions Congress isn't doing that. The Senate isn't doing that. The judicial branch appointees would not exist in that same uh, 
element, they would definitely be not appointed for life. I mean, that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, I would have more of a system of direct democracy, mm-hmm. and our elections would be completely just redone, completely redone. Yeah, it's just, you know, those are a few things that I would do mm-hmm. in an ideal world. I definitely, I mean, for me, the big ones, though, would be the war machine, because so much goes into the war and the intelligence yeah. apparatus that we have no control over, which is what's controlling our government. So that's why that would be um, the big, the big, big ones. Perfect. Thank you so much. I, I fully agree with you on all that. Uh, what is something that you're going to double down on in 2022? Oh, um, the the censorship aspect. Um, yeah. I'm a huge advocate of, of free speech, obviously, and being a journalist too. But it's um, it's this thing where you know. You have Mumia, you have Julian Assange, you have um, political prisoners, and the reason they're in prison is because they exposed Mm -hmm. the war crimes of the state. They exposed the corruption, Mm -hmm. and you shouldn't put people in prison for telling the truth. It's Mm -hmm. not a crime for people to tell the truth, and we've come to a point where we don't have the watchdog media that perhaps maybe for a second we used to have we, we don't have, we have propagandists, we just have PR mm-hmm. agents. We uh, live in this world where if we don't allow the truth to come out, you're going to have a society that only hears one perspective and that 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 becomes extremely authoritarian and extremely fascistic. Mm-hmm. How are we going to fight for health care, for any sort of uh, wage, for any anything like that, anything you want to improve mm-hmm. in the system, whatever issue it may be, uh-huh. If we cannot tell people the truth, yeah. if they control all the mechanisms of, of uh, you know, all the channels, all the internet, everything, how are we going to fight for anything? How are you going to get people to organize? Yeah. So we've come to the point where before, this is where I think a lot of people on the left miss this. Um, they talk about, well, you know, in communism and this and that. It's, they didn't have like, you know, you don't have free speech under capitalism. But it, the thing is, like, you didn't have the internet back then. You didn't have the surveillance state. Now information is decimated at such an alarming speed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and it's just, it's just like it gets the information gets to people so much more quickly. Mm-hmm. And um, that is disseminated, I think is what I meant. But it gets to people so much more quickly. And we don't, we're not just handing out pamphlets. I mean, you should do that. If you, if you have a cause or an organization, sure, mm-hmm. go and do it. But it's like if you don't have access to the means of information, mm-hmm. you're essentially losing access to the means of production yeah. because they're so intertwined now. And so if you want to have any sort of change, it's got to happen through the, the, the media. And, of course, the, the whole media had the, uh, has the whole television and all of that. And now they're they're trying to obviously get to social media because that's where the younger generations are and who they can like brainwash the same way they brainwashed previous generations. And so yeah. without a press, I think very little uh, is ammunition is is there for us to fight for every other issue, whether it's the environment, whether it's healthcare, whatever it is, uh, to fight for. Yeah. Yeah. So the next question I'm going to ask is actually a fun question now. I'm going to preface it by saying this. If you say New York style pizza, I'm going to be seeing Kit Cabello on Saturday. He's going to have a problem with you. 
because he says oh, Chicago style awesome. pizza is the best. I'm not trying to cause a feud. I'm just saying. No, sorry, Kit. I mean, we went, and this is pos- I mean, you know, Pasta and I went to Chicago with mm-hmm. my uh, brother, and okay. we all had Chicago pizza. It was not. We tried different places. It was not the best. It was okay. It was. Some were better than others, but New York style pizza all the way. I was just in New York. <laughs> pizza is delicious, like all the way New York, all the way. Sorry, kid. Oh. You know the emperor. The emperor objects. I know, but we'll fight. Okay, okay. So that goes into my question. <laughs> what is one food that Fiorella Isabel cannot live without? Um. Oh, that's hard. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's pretty difficult. God, um, I guess I really, I really, really do like pasta. Yeah, like um, yeah. tacos. Talk. It's like between pasta and tacos. I Look, really love. You tacos. can do both. I don't care. Like <laughs> <laughs> Mexican food is among my favorite. Obviously, um, my family's Peruvian, and Peruvians have some of the best cuisine all over the world, um, especially it. when it comes to uh, seafood. But for me, um, Mexican. Mexican food is like, wow, I love it. Based as fuck. By the <laughs> way, uh, you know, I next time we talk, I want to uh, get your opinion on AMLO, uh, you know, doing the attempt to uh, nationalize lithium. That's actually a really good conversation to have next time when when you come back on. I actually want to talk about that. Um, speaking of Mexican, I think that's a pretty yeah. based thing to do to nationalize yeah. lithium. Yeah, go ahead and do it. But be prepared, because the United States is going to come for you, unfortunately. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. But, True story. Yeah. But the piece that is this stance, the question that gives everybody in trouble, I got to ask, I got to ask, I got to ask. What is your favorite curse word? Oh. Oh, God. <laughs> this is a... Um... Yeah, yeah. Do I have a favorite... I don't even know if I have it. Like, I mean, I say, am I allowed to curse? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I mean, I say like, I say, I say fuck a lot. I mean, but, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, like if it's my favorite, I, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, it's kind of like a love hate relationship. Like, I don't like to be angry, but mm-hmm. you know, given the circumstances. Yeah happens pretty often so but you can use it in very happy instances you know what yeah. i mean i you mean know. i like i like guy uh, i don't know if it was glory or misty that always like say oh that douche canoe or like <laughs> that's <laughs> misty i know what her favorite is i love it next tuesday word which i don't really say often at all yeah but I, I just say yeah mostly like shit fuck i'm like very not yeah, yeah. i mean i mean look if somebody brings you some 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 carbonara and it's sitting right in front of you, you're gonna use a four letter word in in your happiness as you're eating that that carbonara yeah. or that 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 Alfredo, or you're you're having those tamales. You're going to say it because you're just that happy. <laughs> so true. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we're like using in happiness too. Or something, like. <laughs> yeah. So. So this is my final question, but this is actually going to put it pretty pretty deep. But I I, I hope this actually gives people uh, up here into uh, your 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 love of humanity and how you view the world. But it's an important question. 
So you've lived a long life and you're on your deathbed and you're reflecting on that life that you've had. What is one thought that you want people to remember about you? Ooh. <laughs> JP coming in with a big, deep questions. Um, <clears throat> I guess that I, I don't know, like, I guess that I, I've, I, I lived in a way that is truthful to who I am as a person yeah. and that I've tried to mm. be as honest and as, uh, just, uh, encompassing the, the world we live in and to really bring to light a lot of the realities and the truth that are that existed in the world and that i hope that it was in some small way a great contribution on your headstone it will say she told the truth yeah that would be great look that's that's basically you know that's all she wrote you know i i look i am deeply grateful for you gracing you know, my tiny little channel with your presence. Uh, thank you for coming here to again, tell the truth, you know, um, and I am glad that I got your perspective, you know, based on from what you want to say. And, you know, it, it was a privilege to have you, um, Miss Fiorella. And I am, you know, hopeful that we will have many more conversations in the near future. Um, Yes. Mm -hmm. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you and, and for asking these questions that I haven't been asked before. I think it's interesting and refreshing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Also, uh, I also put, you know, your links in the description. You can uh, go to the Convo Couch, uh, the channel. The link is in the description. Also, to Fiorella's uh, Twitter page as well. Um, and so you can go ahead and give her a follow, give them a sub if you can, please. Uh, and you know, get, you know, news from a very honest perspective. So I, I, I highly encourage you to do that as well. Miss Fiorella Isabel, it was a deep pleasure. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you. Thank you for having me. See you next time. Thank you. See you next time. Also to everyone, just to let you guys know, if you have not put a like for this stream, please make sure to do so. Also, if you haven't subscribed, what the hell are you doing? Make sure to subscribe. Take that beautiful, gorgeous thumb and hit the subscribe button. Just to let you guys know, my motto is always leave the world better than you found it. I want to wish you well. Also, please make sure to water yourselves, water your plants, leave the world better than you found it, and smoke them if you got them. Forehead kisses mwah, to all of you. I love you.